Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling. Darling, the only ghoul in the house is you. Hey, sinners, how you doing? Just, uh wanted to take a minute to uh, correct a mistake that I made in the episode that you're just about to listen to. Um, I was talking about some books that had uh, recently come out, and I mentioned Nat Cassidy's uh, book, Mary, A Tale of Terror, but because I have a 10-pound tongue and I'm a dumb mush mouth, I called it Mother, A Tale of Terror. That's not his book. Mary, A Tale of Terror, and I just started it, and it's a banger, and go out and get it, and it's incredible, and Nat's got another one coming out on Halloween this year called Nestlings, and they're describing it as a mix of Rosemary's Baby and Salem's Lot and you can just shoot that shit straight into my veins so Nat sincere apologies didn't mean to mush mouth my way through the book title Mary a Tale of Terror available at local bookstores now go get it woohoo Hey Sinners, I'm Shannon. And I'm Sean. And this is Sinful Cuts. Yay! This is episode five. (laughs) If you are, you're going to learn very much about me. I suck at math. We. (laughs) Clearly I can't even count on one hand. We've established that I have a dumb mush mouth and can't speak. Oh wait, hey, this is a fun fact. I was just apologizing to Shannon because we had spent time uh, last week recording a brand new intro to our first episode because we wanted it to be as polished and professional as possible and we were all excited about it and we did a really good job except for the fact that at the end instead of saying and now let's listen to wrong turn I said and now let's listen to wrongful turn because I'm an <laughs> asshole face and uh, I have yeah couldn't edit it because I'm a dumb mush mouth so anyway very hard on yourself as you, sh- you should not be from now on we will be referring to that movie as Wrongful Turn. And I, I won't hear it any other way. Everyone's going to, you're going to have a whole community of people like, what the hell is this Wrongful Turn movie he's talking about? It doesn't exist. I'm getting t-shirts made. <laughs> wrongful Turn. 2003 is Wrongful Turn. Anyway, so I'm a dumb dumb. But this is, this is our episode for Return of the Living Dead. Uh, definitely in my top 10. 
horror movies. Very excited about it. There's a lot to say about this one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Buckle up. We're going to be blathering on. Well, I'm just going to speak for myself. I'm going to be blathering <laughs> on like an idiot. But I think we've got some good, insightful... Look, we're going We're going to do deep dive uh, like we always do. Um, I know Shannon came uh, super prepared, but I don't know anything that she's going to talk about. So a lot I'm, of I'm, random fun facts. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to give the summary. So, you know, I'll just keep it uh, moving along and then we'll pepper in those fun facts. And then at the end, boy, oh boy, I mean, I've got a couple of things, but I'm not going to tell you about it. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you what it is. But as always, let's start with um, let's start with what we were currently uh, checking out during the week. I have to say for myself, because I I was uh, dropping my daughter off at uh, college this week and then I had a lot of work stuff. Sadly, I did not get around to a lot of content the only um boy the only thing i i i watched um god did i watch anything you know what i don't think i did i finished um lone... a really busy week it was busy but yeah. i did finish lone women um by victor laval and it is 10 out of 10 Five stars, please. If you are into horror, if you're just into good good uh, writing and and superb fiction to begin with, please go out and and grab this book. Victor Laval, who's author, uh, who's author, who's author of the author, <laughs> who's also the author of refer to Mushmouth at the beginning of the episode of um, the Ballad of Black Tom. Incredible, incredible um, re imagining of uh an hp lovecraft story because hp lovecraft as we all know is one of the fathers of horror fiction but also an incredible racist (laughs) just the tin so what victor laval does is he takes one of his uh the um the horror red hook and he reimagines it and makes it better and it's a banger. So please go out and support him. He's phenomenal. Maybe we're lucky enough to get him on the podcast one day. I will try. Um, but nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you know Victor, please <laughs> let him know. Get this to his ear holes. <laughs> we're praising him. Well, what I did do because um, I had such a great experience with that book, so um, I just started making a t- uh, to be read list, my TBR list of things that I wanted to get into, and number one is going to be uh, Clay McLeod Chapman's uh, Ghost Eaters, which I had purchased a while back. Went to um, went to a book signing of his in Bayshore not that long ago, and let me tell you, he is as nice as he is talented. What a gem. So, um, I am also going to run out and buy his new book, What Kind of Mother. He also has Whisper Down the Lane, Ghost Eaters, and The Remaking, all of which I own, and all of which I'm going to read back-to-back. Uh, and Clay has an upcoming um, author event. So anyone here in New York or in the tri-state area on September 26th, which is a Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. at Books or Magic, the Montague location. Again, the Montague location in Brooklyn. By the way, Books or Magic, if you love books... And you don't have to love magic, but if you love books, get your ass to this bookstore. It's an absolute banger. 
People are super nice. The bookstore is quaint. There are deep, you know, they have a really good layout of regular fiction, nonfiction, genre fiction. Um, it's just, it's worth your time. And the area is great. There's always good places to stop to eat. Where is the bookstore again? It's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, okay. It's in Brooklyn. Um, on uh, And again, this is the Montague location. Uh, so, it, you know, go check out Clay uh, McLeod Chapman. And he is also there with Nat Cassidy. <laughs> Nat Cassidy, who, if you have not read Mother, A Tale of Terror by Nat Cassidy, which came out in 2022, possibly 2021, sorry, Nat, get your hands on this book. It is incredible. And he has, dropping on October 31st, his next book called The Nestling. And let me tell you something. (laughs) If you love good podcasts besides this one, please do yourself a favor and listen to Books in the Freezer because Nat Cassidy was just on the episode this week. And he tells some stories about nightmare rental situations in Brooklyn. And that alone is worth the price of admission. But he also gets into it and gives uh, great recommendations for uh, New York City-based horror fiction. So that is my spiel on what I'm interested in and what uh, I'm excited about. Shannon? If you can't tell, he was genuinely excited. I can't. I jumped on the couch like Tom Cruise. <laughs> Just to give you a visual. <clears throat> so I'm so I I really only have a book that I've been reading. I unfortunately I'm not that excited about it. I'm curious on what everybody else thinks of this book. So I finally got a because uh, I have a very long book list. So it's taking, you know, I'll I'll say, yeah, 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 I'll read it and I'll end up reading it maybe like two years later because of the, the list that I have. But I finally got a chance to um open up uh The Terror by Dan Simmons. And wow, what a difficult read. I didn't expect that because the, what was it on Amazon? The, the show? Oh, the, uh, AMC. Okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. I, I loved the show. The show had such an ambiance to it and it was just a, a overall good, good story. Um, this one, it, it's not so much. And, I, and I'm still trying to really pinpoint what... I'm not like I like I basically find myself kind of wandering like even like even though like you're like you're you're immersed in the book itself whether you're listening to it or reading it um and your mind just starts to wander somewhere else obviously that's never a good sign no um I mean I'm 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 almost done with it and I, I don't know I, I have a hard time giving up on something even though I don't care for it as much because it, or at least my motto anyway is if i'm going to talk shit about something i need to know the whole thing <laughs> so i usually will not turn off a movie Respect. i usually will not put down a book it, it would take a lot uh for me to do that um but yeah if i want to talk shit about it i need to do it properly so i need to know it from front to back um but yeah i'm, I'm having a hard time with it um but I'm, I'm gonna push through and i'll admit one thing that was really good in the books was when the, the thing as they keep calling it or the creature sometimes i think they mention that too but when though the, there was two scenes where the creature attacks and those are pretty cool those are written really well yes other than that, it's just kind of like it's almost like a like a diary in a way form written, but not really. Yeah, like there's not a lot of dialogue. Log. There's there's definitely no character development. I keep forgetting who the hell who is who. Um, there's a lot of characters in that book. It doesn't seem to matter in a way. Like there, I don't know. Like it's just. 
I read it years ago, but here's, you know what, you know what I think helped me? Because I liked it. Mm. I liked it. I read it in winter. I read it, and I know that sounds weird, but it is a book about a ship that gets trapped in the ice in the Arctic. Yeah. And I I think you just... point there, actually. Gray Cold Days, it put me in... It put me in the in the book, yeah. so to speak. Okay. So I did get through it, but let me tell you, that's a doorstopper. That book. Yeah, that's yeah, a big yeah. One. Yeah. So love the show. We both agree, though. Yeah, I love the show. It's it's Jared if, Harris. If, if, if any, Ooh, I'll yeah, kiss your a face. A lot, lot of good people. Um, people. A lot of good actors <laughs> in that uh, in that show. That Ooh, Kieran Hines in that job. as well. I forgot he was yeah. in that. Oh, Kieran Hines. I'll kiss your face. <laughs> oh, ooh, I love those guys. Love them. Love them. Love them. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, but if anything, if anything good's gonna come out of it, it's it's probably worth a rewatch. I think Cause it's been a couple of years. Like I watched it initially when it came out, and then that's about it. All right. So okay, you know what? I think I'm gonna do a rewatch on that. I one. think so too. Yeah. Okay, Dan Simmons. I mean, look, I have a problem with Dan Simmons too because in real life he's a bit of a dick. But um, <laughs> you know, I'm just, look, I'm just gonna put it out there. He he is. Uh, I never met him. He. <laughs> He's he's problematic on social media. I'll just leave it there. Oh, uh, gotcha. But I will say his um his summer of night uh vampire book it, it, it's it's half it's half the size. Not that length uh you know of of novels is a you know starter stop for anyone. It shouldn't be, but it is half the length of of mm. uh, of the terror. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to circle back quickly because yeah. I am a dum-dum and I mentioned Books in the Freezer podcast and I mentioned the incredible guest, Nat Cassidy, but I didn't mention the host <laughs> and that would be Stephanie. Uh, it's G-A-G-N-O-N, which I'm going to guess is pronounced Gagnon. Gagnon. Okay. Like. Gagnon. Hopefully we get that right. All if right. Not, please uh, comment and correct us. But. And then just to put a bow on my rambling, <laughs> I'm also going to mention that Victor Laval's The Changeling drops on Apple, I believe, the end of this week with Lakeith Stanfield and boy, oh boy, shoot that shit right into my veins because I cannot wait. Check out the trailer on Apple. Is it Friday, August 25th? I do believe that is it. Okay. That Just so I'm, you know what dates. <laughs> that's what I'm crazy excited about. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. So, all right. You know what? Well, oh, wait a so minute. We have, <laughs> we have, no, I was going to say we have some more exciting stuff before we get into right. uh, the topic. So we uh, we have some questions apparently from you sinners. Mailbag, mailbag. Oh my God. I hope another podcast yes. doesn't do that. But if you do, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mailbag, mailbag. Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't mind a singing telegram from a sinner. Just gonna throw, just gonna plant that seed. Oh yeah. And see if an Audrey too grows. Or, <laughs> I'm gonna put this out there to the sinners. If you can come up with a creepy, clever name for our mailbag, not only will we use that going forward, we will give you credit for it. Mm-hmm. So if you can think of a better term than mailbag, then have at it. So we've got four questions okay from our listeners oh by the way speaking of listeners you can catch us on spotify itunes iHeartRadio, amazon music and soon to be google music once uh we 
get downloaded on there. Yeah, they said it takes a couple of weeks or something. I don't know. I don't know the process, but They're, it's exciting. Well, it's like the roller coaster at Six Flags. You have to be a certain height, <laughs> and, and my lifts, my lifts are coming in the mail. <laughs> so our first question is from. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag on this one. This is one of my best friends. So of course, once we released the podcast, we got inundated with with love from family and friends. Thank you. Thank you so much, love you guys. We love you right back. <laughs> My uh, one of my best friends, uh, Roy, uh, he called me up and he had nothing but great things to say. But he actually did have he's he's like, look, man, your exploitation really. I enjoyed it. Uh, and it it's it immediately resonated with me because I, I thought of the X-Files episode home. And his question was, have you seen the episode home? One of the best X-Files episode ever. Did you see home home? Was that the one where the um, the family kept the mother? Oh yes, it is. In the basement. Oh yes, it is. Never saw it. <laughs> Never heard of it. That was such an incredible <laughs> guess. No, it's. I have seen it, and it is. It is a. That, that's a creepy one. It's creepy as hell. It's That's probably creepy. my favorite. Oh, it, it might be my favorite. It's absolutely in the in my top five. It's up there. Favorite. I remember there was another one uh, that was probably my favorite. Was in a bowling alley where oh, like snap. there's I think I remember. ghosts and like initially there, I, I think like the guy you know the worker in the in the bowl in the bowling alley was like in um, down the lane like in the the pit where the um, the pins go and he was trying to fix something i don't really remember but then all of a sudden he like looks up and he just sees a girl in the gears oh shit and she just and she i um, if i remember correctly it's been forgive me because it's been it's just a couple of years yeah <laughs> i've seen it i like i, I might have still been in high school um <laughs> but uh <laughs> i was just getting back from vietnam <laughs> <laughs> but um and i remember like he looked up and the girl like looks at him and goes help me um and she and w- by the time they get there there's nothing there there's nobody there oh so it God. was it was a ghost related episode but not to segue out of your friends uh uh but i'm just saying i don't but those two uh would teeter uh neck and neck at the top for me all right from what i remember <laughs> This, this, we're, we're, we're going to wrap it up there because if I then start to talk about my favorite episode of the X-Files, we're, it's, it's going to be a seven hour It's a whole episode. other episode. <laughs> but we're, you know what? Down the road, we're going to get into, we'll, we'll do like a top five. Yeah. And and we'll what? definitely get into the X Files because I wasn't so much on the mythology. I love the Creature of the Week episodes, mm. so I'll dine out on that all day long. Sure. But just to just to give a shout out to uh, my friend Roy, I love your face, and I'll kiss your face too. Thanks you for know the what? question, Roy. That was great. Yeah, to a lot of people's. Just a lot of men getting their faces kissed, <laughs> and, it, and it won't stop. Dan O'Bannon, you may be next. Although, it turns out, once you start doing research for these movies, everyone becomes problematic a little bit. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's, it's a little spoiler for later. But um, I, I did want to uh, I did want to also give a shout-out to uh, Roy's daughter, Gwen, who started listening to the podcast and gave us a great review and really likes it, and is also also getting into horror and she wanted to know what Stephen King novel to start with oh oh what do you think well if you ask me I feel like I have a very different answer than most people okay okay because mine um, is never it's not a movie okay or a show and I have a feeling it never will be and I'll explain why 
So my personal favorite Stephen King novel to read, right, yep. is The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Oh, I love it. So it, it's because you just have to keep be in mind of that this girl, it's, it's about a nine-year-old girl who's hiking with her mom and brother in the woods. And the, the mom and the, and the brother, uh, you know, I think they're, I, I don't know, a little family, not argument, but bickering as, you know, families do. And she just, you know, gets distracted, wanders off, and she is lost. And I, I believe about like a week and a half goes by what this nine-year-old girl goes through just by surviving. Um, she eventually, um, she's a huge baseball fan, obviously Boston Red Sox, if you know Stephen King, which it makes sense. And she eventually starts visualizing Tom Gordon telling her to keep keep going basically so she utilizes this vision to survive okay and the way it was written it was very interesting your heart just goes out to her that's a quick read too and it's a quick read there's even a pop-up book version too it's, it's actually that could be good for me. really 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 cool if uh, if you have children <laughs> you, want to, you want your children to get into horror um, as i do but yes the, but the but the descriptive what she goes through i thought it was a, a fantastic read um, and I haven't, but, um, you know, and if, even if you love it as much as I do, I, I'm going to go with my piece with it's never going to be a show or a movie because random fun fact, as soon as that movie was published, book? The, the, um, so yeah, as soon as the book was published, um, I don't remember the year, don't remember for one, whatever, we'll look it up. Um, but Tom Gordon was transferred to the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you know, again, if you know Stephen King and sports, uh, New York is very, very much on his shit list. Um, it's on my shit list, as, too. I'm a Met fan. As Boston Red Sox is Fuck mine. you, Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> you bullshit team. I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> I know. This is, look, we're going to have we're one episode where we talk about Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead and the Yankees, and it's just going to be a fist fight, all right? <laughs> and Shannon's going to win, because he's obviously the podcast badass <laughs> and i'll cry uh, and i'll make her feel bad and she'll apologize but the initial answer to the question is that's that's my answer okay to start with there's uh, many you to to segue to from there but i said salem's lot Ooh. and then i but it, then i changed my answer i said you know what start i, I know it's it's a long it's, read and i was going to loan her and i never loan my books out because i'm looking at you carol herrera because i never got my fucking first book in the game of thrones series and i can't remember the name of it it could just be called game of thrones but i never got that back <laughs> from reed so reed if you're listening you piece of shit you're actually a wonderful person and i'll kiss your face <laughs> Can I have my book back? <laughs> but I blame you, Carol. And I also love you. And I'll kiss your face. <laughs> so anyway. It's going, it's going on the t-shirt. It's going on the t-shirt. Absolutely. Once once we get them. So I said Carrie. It's, oh, that's a great one. Look, it's the Actually. originator. It it just made sense. It's a quick read. It's mm -hmm. really, really good. That's what put him on the map, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. I love the style. I love, I just love the format of it. And I think if you're going to hook someone, so my, my recommendations were, um, you can read them in any order after Carrie, but do Carrie. Mm. I love the girl who loved Tom Gordon. So do, do that as well. Yeah. Salem's Lot, Cujo, Christine, The Dead Zone. Um, 
if if you do the early stuff, I I think it just it sets the hook, so Absolutely. to speak. And then after that, you can really do anything you want. You can go anywhere, yeah. Because you're addicted, so yeah. you you could just go all over the Stephen King map and and have at it. But Gwen. I adore you, and I would love for you to actually be on the podcast with us when we do Carrie. I, I would love that. You cool with that? I would love that. Yeah. So she, so she has to read that one first. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. And she she's Unless just a fast read. Then yeah, they're they're both pretty quick reads actually. She's just the best, and it all comes from her mom because her dad's a piece of shit. So. I love you, Roy. <laughs> so now let's go to our second question. And oh boy. Oh, okay. This is, oh my God. His, All right. His, his, his face just lit up. <laughs> Welcome to our first three hour episode. <laughs> All right. We have to promise ourselves, because this could this could go on forever. We have to promise each other that we'll keep this under five minutes. Okay. What got you into horror? Um, what got me into horror? Oh, I'm sorry. This is from Nancy R. Coming from oh. uh, Hell's Kitchen. Hey, hi, Nancy. I think they call it Clinton now, but I call it Hell's Kitchen. And so does she. <laughs> Hell's Kitchen, New York City. Oh, yeah. If you came from there, it's, it's Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. How do you call it Clinton? It's Hell's Kitchen. Um, I would say as a, uh, a kid, I, I probably would have to go... The, the the root of it is probably the Adams family. Okay. I loved it as a kid. I you know, I remember watching the show, the the, the black and white show. Once the uh, movies came out, um I was really excited to see it and I remember Barry Sonnenfeld. Love him. Yeah, me and yep. um my cousins were taken to go see both movies when they, you know, came out together. Um but I w- it's it, it, you know because like they're you know the like exactly what the song says creepy and kooky and fun and and to me it was really um it was just really fun and if not necessarily that because again the order well the order might be whatever but it but then you know and, and to me it was just like oh horror movies are, are pretty fun before that possibly actually ironically might have been michael jackson's thriller I get that. Because I, I was like, zombie, that's, that's fun. That's, that's good gateway <laughs> I, horror. I still say that was like the scariest werewolf I have ever fucking seen. Rick Baker coming off of it, American Werewolf in London. That was fucking terrifying. Can we elite, come on, can, you, can that, you give a shout out to my man, Vincent Price, doing absolutely. the voiceover in the beginning? Absolutely. Uh, you have to, did you ever look up the, uh, he did an interview and he did that whole intro. On the Carson like, on the, Johnny Carson. Yes, 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 yes. They, they turned on the lights and everything. Oh, definitely watch it on YouTube if, if, uh, if you're interested, but that was great. So I would go with, I would go with that. Technically Thriller and The Addams Family. All right, great. Mm-hmm. And you're under five minutes. Huzzah. That's wonderful. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make mine quick. So what got me into horror? It was two things. So growing up in uh, here in New York, uh, uh, born in Bayside, uh, I was going to say, let's make this quick. And I start with born in Bayside. <laughs> I was a young child. <laughs> we had two channels that did creature features. There was uh, Channel 9, which was WOR, and they, did cre- they literally did creature feature. And then there was WPIX, Channel 11, and they did Chiller Theater. Mm. Chiller Theater hocked me up because it had the animation in the beginning eight o'clock uh the animation would start and the hand came out of the grant ground and the hand had six fingers and it would go and then the, the fingers would move and it would go chiller and it didn't get it way they could play anything it just didn't matter i was hooked so i would bounce between creature feature which i think was on friday and chiller was on saturday but what really what really set the hook for me with horror was i was young enough that 
I would be watching on my parents' bed and and they had a black and white TV. So I'd be watching Chiller or I'd be watching Creature Feature and they would be getting ready to go out. Like in my mind, they're always getting dressed to go out and I'd be left with either my brother or sister or a sitter. And it was that juxtaposition of I'm watching something. I'm young enough that I'm watching something that even by today's standards would be like G-rated probably at best, PG at best. But I was, I had that thrill of being scared because I knew that they wouldn't be there. Yeah. So it was, it was that, it was like the titillation of it's... knowing that I was kind of doing something that was, that was forbidden and I shouldn't be doing it, but I was so excited to be doing it. And then of course they would leave and I would watch the movie and I would be scared. And I was, I knew I was safe, but then waiting for them to come home and I'd be in my bed and I'd probably be asleep, but like subconsciously I'm waiting to hear like the jingle of the keys and hear them downstairs. And then to know I was safe and that roller coaster ride of the unknown and the, and, and, and the pulse quickening of, of horror no matter how tame it was and that's what got me into hammer horror and amicus and american international pictures and i love you to death for what you did for me and what you still do for me to this day and that was it i was just i was just transported and it and it goes into so many avenues of my life of trying to chase that thrill well it, it, well that's what's great about horror it's that you're experiencing danger from a safe place yeah and there you know you'll have that moment too where you're like oh i don't feel safe anymore yeah you know for as soon as like you know as soon as you go to bed and you turn all the lights off and that imaginary thing comes out of something and chases you we, we <laughs> you know what i'm talking about we have the experience now where you will watch a movie and it will have an effect on you and you will be in your own home mm-hmm. we're going to and- talk about a few of them throughout Oh yeah, they, yeah. I'm sure we'll have some that really, really resonates. Um, yep. And you the know, terror in you. You yeah. know, you're in a safe environment. You may be next to a loved one, or you might have a loved one in the room next door. Mm-hmm. But you are like, I am adrift. Have I watched something yeah. that I shouldn't have? Is this can it affects you? And I love those moments, and I dread those moments, but I live for those moments. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it. it's just chasing that high. And I, I and, and horror never lets me down. It might be the you know the the waypoints between between those moments may be few and far between, but horror never lets me down because it's it still happens. Uh, you know, case in point, Barbarian, which will be our episode that will uh, that'll be available after Jaws and and Leprechaun. Uh, you know, it, it, something like that where. All of a sudden, I'm transported back to 12 or even sometimes transported back to five or six. And it's just uh, and those are the moments I live for. So I went over five because I'm a <laughs> fucking blabbermouth. But we but love that, to talk. We love to talk. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's uh, th- those are our origin stories, you know. <laughs> OK, uh, the next one. Will you be doing episodes on foreign genre films? Yes. You better believe it. Absolutely. I don't know what the first one will be. I have a lot of firsts. I actually think I have one. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. I'm going to suggest you let me know what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest for Spanish horror. Look, we love all horror. Foreign horror is going to be a a deep dive for us. But I'm thinking because there's so much good Spanish horror and there's so much good French horror. I mean, the French New Extremity 
we I would like to make a super episode on that because okay. we can discuss inside and martyrs and yeah. uh, and high tension uh, and frontiers and now so exciting it seems that we could have a foot in the door with a new French extremity I believe it's called oh, megalomaniac. Oh, uh, I, I think I, I think I heard of that. Yeah, okay. the trailer dropped this week. And well, you the, know what? There's you know what though. Before we even because there is there is I'm sure we will get into it. And there is obviously a lot. Sinners, tell us which one you would like us to hear first. Oh, great suggestion. Why don't, great why don't suggestion. you tell us? We'll absolutely talk about the foreign films. You tell us which ones you would rather hear. Yeah. About. I love it, mm-hmm. and do the same with do the same with all foreign horror. Just just throw it at us, uh, but specifically um, uh, French extremity or French cinema in general. Japanese, Fr- Jap- oh, yeah, oh, Jap- boy. Japanese, the Spanish. Oh my God! Ones there's um there's even I want to say like one or two good German ones that I've seen. What about um, what's going Swedish on with Joko Anwar uh, and and all well, Indonesian horror? Indonesian horror is like hold my fucking beer. <laughs> How did I cram this in your eye holes? And I'm like, what in Pedagore? <laughs> I need a diaper. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Uh Indonesian horror. Yeah. I'll kiss your face Indonesian horror. <laughs> You're so good. You're so good lately. And then of course, I mean the man, the myth, the legend Guillermo del Toro, and then what he brings to the table and then his influences. So, to answer your question succinctly, hopefully. Yes. Of course we're <laughs> going to be doing foreign horror. We are going to be having maxi episodes and regular episodes and mini episodes and all the episodes for it so you know we might even talk about movies that are ridiculously bad i don't know maybe uh yeah no for sure yeah i mean there's so much good to talk about but then you know we like to throw some stinkers in there too switch it up a bit you know and the stinkers are great because then you know that's like party episode throw it on with friends some pizza and some beer make a drinking game out of it mm-hmm. boom there's your friday night you're welcome sinners. if you're underage don't do that this one's for sean fourth question question that says this one is for sean oh can you do us all a favor and die and that is from my mother <laughs> <laughs> just kidding helly <laughs> just kidding mom i love to kiss your face <laughs> Oh, there's a shout out to my mom. <laughs> I was thinking of her this week. So that's our mailbag questions. Please keep them coming and please rename our mailbag because I am sure that there are 17 other podcasts that use it. All right, Jen, are you ready? Are you ready for this beast? I am. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how we're going to keep it under or yeah, well, whatever. I don't know. I mean, sinners, you can hear these pages of turn. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So we'll get at thirty-one minutes in. Yes. Only that wasn't you know what though? We had a lot of content to cover and a lot of good stuff. So let's get into Return of the Living Dead, nineteen eighty-five banner year. Released by MGM, directed by and screenplay by Dan O'Bannon. Um uh okay, so Dan O'Bannon is famous for uh co-writing Alien. So he was coming off that, and he has done um, films like Blue Thunder, and he had well, well, he starts with John Carpenter with Dark Star. So let's let's make sure that we include that. So he's got his horror bona fides, and he's got the the inroads, but he wants to. He's looking to make a name for himself. So he gets together with John Russo, who had co-written Night of the Living Dead. Right now, the interesting thing of Night of the Living Dead, you've got John Russo, and of course you've got the goat, George Romero. 
and they oh my god I, that was my mom do you think she heard me her <laughs> so spider weird. sense was That's tangling so weird box in a post uh, we'll fix it. We'll fix it in post. I do. People are gonna think I'm a bad son because I just hung up on my mom. But guess, spoiler alert: I am a bad son. No, I'm not. No. Maybe I am. I'm gonna take this out. This is making me uncomfortable. I'm taking all of this out in post. So back to Return of the Living Dead. So John Russo and George Merrill. You know, I don't want to call it disagreement, but they have a different visions for where the um, franchise, the starting of a franchise, should go. So they have an agreement. George Romero is going to say, "You take the term living." Uh, the word living, and I'm going to remove that, and I'm going to do the dead movies. So we've got Dawn of, Day of, Diary of, uh, Land of. Land of, yeah. And John Russo gets to retain living. So that's how we get Return of the Living Dead. Uh, and it's and it's subsequent sequels. But um, that was the the difference that they would make. And, they, and then they said we can both play in the sandbox, which I thought was very cool. Yeah. There was, I think there was a lot of rumors, too. Because um, for many years, I thought it created such a rift between them. Okay. That... Uh, but this is also before, like... Um, not to mention, you know, how old we are. But, uh, you know, but this is technically, like, before... Like, the internet existed, but I don't think that all the resources were really there. I don't know if people were really talking as, like... Like, the panels, like, weren't as prominent as they yeah. are now at, at uh, conventions and things like that. So, but I feel like it... it especially because of when you look at, like, the box office. Like, right, it came out around the same time as Day of the Dead, this yeah. film. And it did significantly better... Yes. ...than uh, initially... You know, Day of the Dead, I feel like, is its own uh, great movie in its own way. Um, well, I'm going to talk about what floats that balloon, yeah. but I'm, I'll talk about that at the end. But yeah, I have a good theory a that I'm interested to get your take on. But this was a completely really different movie, and it, it was a little more fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they hit so many. They hit a moment. They... They capitalized on on a couple of things that were going on in society, and it really rode a wave. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, l- l- let me do the summary. And Sorry, I'm getting ahead of it. We could we could talk about that as we get to it or at the end. But um, so anyway, I just wanted to talk briefly just about who was involved, how it came to be. Um, so Dan O'Bannon gets together with John Russo and um, uh, and uh, Tom Fox, the producer, and they crank out Return of the Living Dead. Now, you've got... Uh, it, it, from the production notes, it, it seemed like it was a fun enough shoot and a quick enough shoot. There really didn't seem to be any major... Uh, whole you know obstacles to overcome uh, shot in california takes place in louisville kentucky in the movie shot in california you can really tell from the scene where the gang we'll call them quote unquote the gang is introduced they're in suicide's car uh you know his beater and they're driving and you can see those classic bridges in the background of la yeah. you know the uh the water uh uh aqueducts oh yeah so you like, know right I, the, the first scene driving, right? I get okay. the I get the kick out of the fact that this got to be in Louisville. I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> all right, why not? Just wouldn't have bothered me at all. Yeah, what do I know? 
But I'm, I'm quickly going to go over just our, our cast of characters and the actors and their, uh, you know, some of their horror bona fides. So you've got, as Bert, you've got Clue Gulliger, who, um, you know, is a, a story character actor, as, as well as James Karen, who James Karen, so his horror bona fides, many, but I think most famous for being uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson's boss, who only moved the headstones in Poltergeist. Yes. So if you're wondering who James Karen is, that's who he is, plays Frank in this movie, and he is an absolute delight in this movie. Loved everything about James Karen's performance. Then you've got Tom Matthews, plays Freddy. His bona fides are, there are three people that were in Friday the 13th movies. Yeah. So you've got Tom Matthews was in um, part six as Tommy. You've got um, Miguel A. Nunes Jr., who plays Spider in Return of the Living Dead, plays Demon in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. And then you've got Mark uh, Venturini, who plays Suicide, and in Friday the, he's in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, and he played Victor. Then you've got Don Calfa, who plays Ernie, the... Um, the uh, oh, the why can't I say this name? He works in the funeral home and he is a mortician. Don Kalfa. He was Ernie. Yeah. So I could not think of the word mortician because I'm having a stroke. But he <laughs> plays Ernie the mortician, who is the most problematic character in this film because Ernie is also a Nazi. <laughs> he's got pictures of Hitler and uh, Eva Braun, and he's listening to the Panzer Corps song on his headphones, and he has uh, Walter PPK. So, yeah, Ernie... He might have a history. <laughs> These are choices. <laughs> These are their choices. <laughs> I mean, it's what makes this movie this movie, though, because they're just choices made. And they're, and it's, look, it's a punk rock movie. It's like, here are our choices. Fuck you. Yeah. This is what we're doing. And if you don't like it, fuck off. Yeah, yeah fuck off. Eat me. Okay. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Oh, you see what happened Brains. there, Sinners? <laughs> oh, okay. So, going back to Brains, this movie, famous for introducing fast zombies. Everyone says it's Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead 2004. Shannon will be the first one to say, fuck that, it was not, because she hates that movie. <laughs> it, was... it was not the first movie. Oh, no. it, was, it was this one. They, they run... It was, it was almost like the trope of making Friday the 13th, or I don't want to say that, not saying that this was like ripping off, but it was utilizing the same idea. So Friday the 13th utilized the same idea Ooh, I like um, it. with Halloween, but everything was the opposite, remember? So Halloween, little kid, yep. Friday the 13th, elderly woman. Yep. Um, the uh you know like but they they start off almost like the same exact way um instead of uh the the suburbs they went to a camp uh you know so it's so these i feel like they they took a couple of things like oh okay they did that they even mentioned it in this movie too where they do um you know oh, what did they do in night of the living dead oh they destroyed the brain and it doesn't work doesn't work that i thought that was a really fascinating feature and i feel like when you know that it's john russo who co-wrote night of the living dead he is very much making this his own thing and he's world building and he's creating the mythology for the return of the living dead, the living dead universe, so they can problem solve and they can speak to a certain extent yeah. and they can run, 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 run. And I feel like this was the only movie that actually gave a reason to why the dead eat the living. Yeah. I don't know of any other movie that gives a reason to Sinners. It. 
your homework because I certainly don't know of any other movie that takes the time I to explain wrong, it. But I don't, I can't recall another one that gave a, a or good enough reason. I think a lot of the zombie trope <clears throat> that we're stuck in is they part of the canon is you can never give a reason. Don't give, leave the mystery. And all right, that's okay. That's a choice, but. But this was a good reason. This was a great reason. This is a great reason. It hurts. It physically hurts to yeah. get dead. Yeah. And specifically the brain. Like they really don't, all right. I mean, if they're hungry, maybe they'll chow down on, on some fingies, but it's really the brain. And, and that almost makes it like they're chasing a drug, and you know? Way, yeah. So, okay, I'm getting all over the place. So anyway, I just want to I just want to wrap it up with uh with okay. So you had, uh, uh, Jonathan Terry plays Colonel Glover, uh, his wife played by Kathleen uh, uh, Corden. Uh, then I want oh uh, Brian Peck is Scuzz. I wanted to end with uh, oh sorry Beverly Rudolph is Tina. I wanted to end with Jewel Shepherd specifically and Linnea Quigley. Love her, uh, Shannon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Linnea Quigley? Like in general? Well, you're you're she... up close and personal. <laughs> the well, well, not really up close and personal. I met her once, uh, but she, I got to meet her at Monster Mania. Uh, she was lovely, by the way. From all everything that I researched, she comes off as an absolute lovely person. Yeah, she, she yeah, she's definitely an overall. She always seemed very, very nice. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's very much into. Um, I can't think of the terminology right now, but you know, like, like. Pets rights, basically. All right, great. Like PETA. PETA, yes. I'm like, what the hell is it called? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pets rights. Yeah. I may or may not be drinking a little wine. <laughs> Your words just escape me. Um, I remember reading that about her. Um, but no, but I, I always thought she was, she was a great person. She's in a lot of horror movies. Um. Her CV is bananas. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. it's her, just her horror bona fides are all over the place. Uh, and she is one of, you know what? I'm going to stick a pin in that for now. Uh, I want to talk about Linnea Quigley at the end of the episode because I have a point to make, a good point or bad point. I mean, you be the judge. But I've got, I've got something to say about that. Sure. I've, I've got a bone to pick. Not with Linnea with society mm. oh that's a cliffhanger if there ever was mm. one so those those that's our cast characters every no one dials it in in this film everyone's just fantastic i just i love every single person knows what movie they're in and the fun they're having comes out on screen right i i heard that doing the research that uh clue uh gulliger was a bit of a handful Definitely like to talk with his fists <laughs> into Dan, Dan O'Bannon's face. I, I was gonna say I heard Dan O'Bannon was a handful too. Dan O'Bannon was but in he, a way like he just knew what he wanted. He was I guess more so, but well, look, <laughs> they say don't speak ill of the dead, but Dan O'Bannon is a problematic person in regard to. It seems like he was super intense. He didn't know what direction he went. But I have, you know, we give, and it typically turns out to be white men. We typically give these guys a super pass on being a piece of shit. You know, it, it's all about. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, good for you. I don't. <laughs> good, good, good for you. 
Oh no, now you've now you've pinpointed me as the person who does on this podcast. <laughs> and I don't I don't sinners, but 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 I was just gonna say in general, the 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 film going community gives a lot of these these guys free reign because they're chasing a vision and they're following their passion. No fuck that. Be nice to people. Don't be a dick. Yeah. You know? No need for it. Yeah. You, you look if I don't have to put up with it if I, if I work at the post office, I shouldn't have to put up with it if I'm filming a scene. You know, so fuck yeah. off. So anyway, yeah, he was also it's problematic with the, guys, the actresses on the, the most of the actors. They do say that they got along with him fine. Um, the girls, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you ever heard Linnea speak on a panel about Dan O'Bannon specifically doing this movie? She, it's kind of funny because she goes. I didn't have a problem with him, but that's also probably because I was naked. <laughs> oh my god! So he had nothing bad to say to her. Yeah, yeah. The well, only one who seems to have a hard time, um, I believe, was Beverly, who played Tina. Yeah, you well. We'll get we'll get into yeah, that we'll, more. Uh, Be- Beverly Randolph. I forgot the last name. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but you played Tina. I do remember that. And you were great. And you were fantastic. Yeah, Jules Shepard. I mean, Jules Shepard got the part because he offered it to Jules Shepard was stripping at the time, and yeah. he, he had offered it to two other strippers and they both turned him down and he went to jewel and jewel was like hey look i'll do it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play she he wanted her to play trash yes she ended up playing casey um kept her clothes she's like look i'll do it but i'm keeping my clothes on and to her credit she got the part and she kept her clothes on still she still had a great part in the movie so yeah uh i mean look this is this is linnea quigley's this is linnea quigley Mm-hmm. The, the, not to say that she hasn't done remarkable work in in many other films, and she was Linnea Quigley was the staple on USA Up All Night and Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs, which you know this '85 movie those didn't hit until the early '90s. I think '89 uh, and '91, '89 for Up All Night if I'm remembering correctly, and '91 for for Joe Bob. But you know her movies. I would come home from going out and I put on, uh, 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 oh my God, uh, Gilbert Gottfried and oh my God, who was the other co-host of Up All, oh, Up All Night, wow. Ron Shear. Yes. And just have so much damn fun, you know, just watching these movies and she would be in nine of ten that Give they played. Take. Yeah, she was a lot. She was in a lot at the time. I mean, uh, Sorority Girls, The Slime Bowl, Arama was pro- I probably saw that movie about 400 times on USA. And why not? And you know what? Thank you. <laughs> Loved it. So anyway, Linnea... <laughs> We love you. We we do. We absolutely adore you. Um, so let's get into the movie. Iconic screenshot. Uh, you got all events portrayed are true, which immediately this is called Return of the Living Dead, and then you got the movie saying all the events are true. I just love it. <laughs> I meet the very first instance of the movie. You're like, oh, they got a sense of humor, and I'm I think I'm really going to like this. Absolutely. Then we have that iconic shot of July third. 1984, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Mm -hmm. And every single July 3rd on Instagram, I see 5,000 posts of a screenshot of this movie, and I adore that. Hashtag, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So we're at the You Need a Medical Supply. We got Freddy, who is... um, You know, they never really established... uh, Look, these guys are all well past high school age they never establish whether they're in high school or whether they're out but let's just say for you know the sake of the podcast they're all in their early 20s probably okay yeah they they, they, i mean they 
Yeah, they don't necessarily go into it. It's not something that's needed. They're, I mean, they're of driving age, or at least one of them was. Um, but I just love that we don't have to pretend that people that are in their 30s are 18. Yes. So, well played. Yes. Um, so, anyway, uh, uh, Freddie, who is one of the one of the um, gang, is uh, being taught the ropes in the warehouse for You Need a Medical Supply by his Uncle Frank. And they have a nice rapport. You know, Frank's kind of showing off because he's the old, you know, he he's the... Uh, the uh, old timer who knows the ropes and he's showing Freddy and Freddy's doing real good and he's taking him through and he wants to show off a bit so he's you know showing him the the skeletons uh, with perfect teeth you ever meet a skeleton someone who died who had perfect teeth which is a great question that is uh, you know I, when I, upon rewatching this film I don't think I ever honed in on that uh, line until just researching yeah. it for this episode and I'm like Huh. No. I mean, I have donated my body to science, and I certainly don't have perfect chompers. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, I'm going to figure that one out. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be in the category, we need a small uh, child skeleton. <laughs> That's where I'm going to fit in. <laughs> so, um... Now we get, uh, we're introduced to the gang. We we cut, we're introduced to the gang. Spider says, uh, I'm in no mood to die tonight, which is a little foreshadowing. I thought it was great. I had actually never caught that before, and I've probably seen this movie at least half dozen times. Mm-hmm. So now we're back in the warehouse, and Frank, they're wrapping up, and Frank is telling Freddy uh, that Night of the Living Dead was actually a true story. And the, it really did happen. What happened was there was a VA hospital in Pittsburgh, and someone had spilled this chemical, tri- uh, 250 trioxin by the Darrow Chemical Company, which is a little, little jab at Dow Chemicals, the makers of Napalm. And um, at this point, like, James Karen as Frank is selling it. Like, you believe that he's the uncle who's a little bit of like a, you know, Joe Lunchpail, a little, little bit of a square, and he's kind of getting off on his young nephew, and he feels a little bit of power. Like, let me impress him a yeah. little bit. And that's what leads to disaster. Because he goes, you want to see, you want to see one of the barrels. We got them by mistake. There's a typical army fuck up, and they were delivered here instead of where they were supposed to go, and we have them in the basement. Takes them down there. Now, I caught, again, for the first time, there's a poster of Nixon over uh, in the corner. So you've got... You've got Burt's company, Unita, has got a poster of Nixon. And then you got Ernie is across the street, and he has a poster of Hitler. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I see what you're putting out there. <laughs> I get it. I get it. You know, like, the old guy, the old working guys are a bunch of, like, conservative squares. And our heroes are a bunch of, you know, punk rock all over the map. We got some some valley girls, even though this takes place in, in, in supposed to take place in Kentucky, but we got some Valley Girls, we got some, you know, some uh, alts, and we got some punk rockers, and Spider is definitely hair metal, I don't, I don't care what you say, this is 19, and the movie takes place in 84, but this was 85, and it was he, Spider is absolutely hair metal, so these are our heroes, so they're they're definitely making a statement that like, suicide says, not a costume, it's not a we're costume, life. it's a life, <laughs> fuck yeah, suicide, oh no, now I'm old enough, I'm the man, 
So it's definitely a young generation against the man. And then with a widest brush possible, they're like, this guy's a Nazi and this guy voted for Nixon. <laughs> so I just, I ate it up. I loved it. But they all became under the same equation dealing yeah. with the dead. Like, you know it what? It doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. You're all not, you all have the same fucking problem. That is a great point. That is, yeah, it did not matter. The threat all. of death. They all, they all had to come together to try and fight together. Um, the threat of death is a great equalizer. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, ironically, what they're reaching out for the ultimate help sending the army well you know how that ends oh yeah <laughs> so Ooh, yeah so we get we get frank hits the side of it he's like this good old army corps of engineers knocks the side the gas comes out coats uh frank and freddy by the way love the set design of the basement of the warehouse yeah i mean it just looked like a like a dingy warehouse it, basement it, legit yeah so yeah. shout out you did a, did a great job on on uh set design then we get the credits um you know music kicks in we've got the credits and then all of a sudden we get this weird cut to this beautiful house excuse me gated house that was burp right in your face sinners how about that <laughs> i'm drinking a beer we'll fix it in post <laughs> so, <laughs> we get this cut to this gorgeous house and i'm i'm taken out of the film i'm like where are we yeah it was a weird cut but 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 it, we it get point. we get this yeah we get this little anchoring shot of the colonel walking into his house the wife has prepared uh, his favorite lamb chops he immediately says I had him for lunch so we know the colonel's a complete dick and he's got this this like communication set up in his slap my husband with a lamb chop by the way yeah could you, if you're listening could you imagine you. that shit right I had it for lunch yeah. You got a free meal, dick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Matt. You're going to get it. <laughs> so the colonel establishes that they're, they have been looking for these these canisters that got misplaced for 14 years. So wherever he's in charge of the quote unquote Easter eggs. So wherever he goes, his wife is like, we always have to have this set up wherever we go. And it messes up the oven in the kitchen with these microwaves. And he's like, look, you know, we got to find him. We got to find him. So then we go right back to Louisville and we're back with the gang and we've got, so we've got trash uh, punk rocker, suicide punk rocker. We've got uh, Chucky who is kind of like your alt ska. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A person, you've got Tina, who's Valley Girl preppy, because she's got her jumpsuit collar up. We've got Casey, who's straight up Valley Girl. 
you know, because yeah. she's got the blue mini dress. We got Scuzz, who's definitely punk. And then we got Spider, who is punk. But I'm telling you, he is 1000% hair metal. So the we've we got we've got a real good pastiche of 1985 right there. A lot of fun characters. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The one thing we don't have, which I suppose you could say Freddy is, but is the jock. But Freddy really isn't. Because he's got the Domo Rogato, no sleeves, t-shirt with the suspenders. I didn't know a lot of jocks in 85 who were wearing something like that. Now, I get it that, you know, he's at work, but if there's going to be any representation of the jock, why am I pronouncing a jock? Like, I'm from... <laughs> he's got a French horror. <laughs> I think you want to talk about French horror. I swear to God, I'm going to order a new mouth. <laughs> So, Freddie, if there's going to be a, a jock represented, it would be Freddie. Yeah. What I love is that you do have... Because the Valley Girl, Tina, was his girlfriend. Yeah. From a so. 1985 perspective, you, you're hitting, you're, you really are hitting every single category of young person. You can tell I'm old now because I just call them a young person <laughs> of youth. So not, not the people of my age. No, no I am. I'm, I'm the fucking cranky, shitty colonel, I suppose, at this point. <laughs> Whose wife? I'm like, is that his grandmother? That was. <laughs> we watch the movie. He, you, the, you'll, you'll see what say, I say. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's no spring chicken, but I was just like, what? <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's that's our gang. That's our crew right there. Um. Suicide is a cranky ass, and he's like, "You guys are just using me for uh, for rides." He, the graffiti on his car, super nihilistic. Why bother? Who cares? You know. So they're really, really sky riding. They, these are youthful characters. They're just living for the moment. They just want to. They're look literally looking for a party. They just want to party. They want to get high. They want to get drunk. They want to get laid. This is what being young's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't. Fuck. Freddie got a job. What a dick. He's ruining the good time. <laughs> I don't want to wait until ten o'clock. I don't want to wait till ten o'clock. Two hours. Come on. Want to get to the cemetery? Yeah. Get to drinking. So they make. They make a. You know. They're, they're, look. Like I said, it's fucking skyrocket. It's loud and clear. They're just looking for a good time. And they got to wait until Freddy, who's now working for the man, you know. But Freddy does know where the party's at. So they, they've they got to wait for him. they got to wait for Freddy. So now we're back with, with Frank and Freddy. They wake up. They're already ashen. And their makeup will progressively get whiter and whiter. And the eyes will become more hollowed out as the movie goes along. I love the continuity on that. Yeah, same. So, great job on the makeup. Now, everything's alive. Everything that was dead is now alive. So, the cadaver that uh, Frank had shown Freddy in the, um, in the icebox, in the cooler room, cadavers alive. Butterflies are alive. The, the bisected dogs and cats are alive. And they're freaking out. So they're trying to, you know, you're you're placed in their shoes and now you're trying to figure out what's going on, uh, on along with the characters. And it's just panic city. And um, they make the only rational decision that they can think of at the time is they call Bert. Let's call the boss. Let's call the boss. Oh, they don't. Of course, Freddie's like, let's call the cops. Frank is like, let's not call the cops. Because, <laughs> let's not. Because let's not advertise the fuck yeah, up. Frank's been working for Bert and probably knows that Bert might not be on the up and up and also knows that he's going to get fired by Bert. Mm. So he's immediately trying to like, oh, and it, well, he wouldn't get fired by Bert because he did call Bert, but he's probably going to get in a lot of trouble. 
they call Bert. Bert shows up, um, and then they're trying to come up with a plan. At this point, um, our uh, our gang has gone into the cemetery, and Linnea Quigley now has that famous scene where she strips and she does her dance on top of the uh, the like what would you call it? It's almost like it, a sarcophagus. It, it, uh, yeah, I believe it was a sarcophagus. Um, <laughs> so fun facts about that one. Okay. Where uh, so obviously she initially strips naked. Uh, I, I, and I'll admit I forget exactly who says it, so I'll just say what was said. They they filmed that scene. Um, and then obviously like at first they were like, oh, you can't show pubes on, you know, like they still didn't want to get an X rating, even though a lot of their, um, you know, they, they, they were kind of not, not necessarily pornographic. That's not the word I'm looking for. Softcore. They were, uh, yeah, it, it was an influence somewhere. This was definitely a I choice think, of, of Tom I, Fox, the producer, because Jewel Sher- every movie Jewel Sherber yeah. was in up until this point, she was fully frontal naked. And O'Bannon, I believe, also was like, had a habit of watching a lot of porn. I don't know. Not gonna say it. whatever. Anyway, um, that assumption is correct. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think it is too. So, but either way, so they, you know, so they start freaking out like, oh my god, you can't show pubes on screen like that or whatever. So they're like, okay, fine. So they shave her, uh, or she, they, I mean, I, well, maybe she shaves herself. I assume, but uh, <laughs> so unless Lene ended up doing another movie, which I don't know about, but um, you know, they, but I believe they go to like, how about we shave it? And they were like, oh my god, that's worse, yeah. obviously because you could see more. So the result of that, um, to keep the scene for the most part as is, um, as as per the the script, was for her to wear a prosthetic piece. So if people, if you look at this scene and go, huh. Oh, that lower half kind of looks like a Barbie doll. That is why. Because it was it, like a it, plastic it, merkin. It was literally, and it was like glued to her. So to, for her to like oh, yeah. to go to pee, to go to the bathroom, oh my God. she was like, okay, you have to like, they had to like chisel it off her. Oh so it God. was kind of torturous. Well, it's a good her. thing they didn't put it on somewhere incredibly sensitive, like her vagina. Mm. <laughs> Linnea Quigley. You are a trooper. Yes. Oh, also too, uh, if you remember right after she starts dancing, they like it looks like they grab like torches and the guys like start dancing around her or whatever. So those were road flares. Yeah, because they were they thinking were... suicide. Why are you bringing road flares? Yeah, and he never so, really answered. So those were the, the, the torture. Yeah, I guess that because he was prepared, prepped for her to uh, take her clothes off. I don't really know. So, but either way, they they light the road flares and. And as she's dancing up there, so the fumes literally go right in her face. That can't be good. So, no. So, like, so it was actually a really tough scene. First of all, just being naked in general. Nude, yeah. yeah. So, naked, being naked in general, um, yeah, we're having to wear a glued prosthetic piece to your uh, hoo-ha. Yeah. And, <laughs> and now, now you have smoke flares coming. So, the fact that we even got that scene, you know, like, I'm doing a salute. Again, I know we praised you already, Linnea, quickly, but... Dang. No, but she definitely gets the MVP for this uh, film. Yeah, I, I yeah. probably would be screaming, like, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I don't know, but then, then, you know. Yeah. Yep. All right. That's so, the movie, baby. That is, yeah. I mean, that was 1985. Mm. Okay. So, all right. facts about that scene. So, um... Uh, but, but, oh, I'm sorry. So, all right. They, they call Bert. Bert shows up. Now they're trying to figure out a plan to cover everything up because Bert is definitely like, nah, we can't call anybody. Let's just get, let's 
get rid of the bodies. What does the movie say? The movie says kill the brain, and then we can just you know throw the bodies out in the trash. I don't know what the plan was after kill the brain, but they of course they open the door. The cadaver comes charging out. Now the interesting thing is. The cadaver goes straight for Bert. Why does the cadaver go for Bert? Because he's the only living person in the room. Freddie and Frank are already Holy dead. shit, I didn't think of that. Yeah, they're because already dead. I remember dead. watching that scene. I was like, wow, well, that backfired really <laughs> fucking quickly. But I, I'll admit, I did not think about that. He's the only he's the only one with the living brain at that point. I'm excited to get my mind blown sometimes. Woo-hoo! <laughs> watching that scene, I was like, wow, like he definitely had right to Bert. <laughs> but that fucking makes sense that, that they're already dying. Yeah, yeah. So now this is also the scene where where Freddie has has the the iconic line. You mean the movie lied, which I get I get a kick out of, which they circle back to in the credits. They do, they do. So now, the new plan is to go to Ernie across the way at the funeral home, and to, for him to use his uh, crematorium. Yes, it's crematorium, mm-hmm. uh, which which will solve the problem. Actually, yeah, that, that was the only solution. Was like fire or it, it it makes it honestly, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, just obliterate it. This is a great plan. Yeah. So they bring everything over. They dismember everything. They bring it over. They tell Ernie that they are rabid weasels. Ernie, being Ernie. He's kind of giving them a hard time. Like, why don't you just call the animal shelter? Why do I have to be involved? Which, from his perspective, I could totally see. Like, I do the same thing. Like, like I'm. He's a, he's a, in the middle of prepping a body. A prep, he's, yeah, he's working. I was like, dude, like you fucking kidding me? I got a, I got a dead body. Don't show up at my door with this yeah, bullshit. Like, just well, take it to the animal shelter, and yeah, they'll be happy to get rid of it. With it. So of course they open up the bag, and there is a severed arm, which then grabs onto Ernie's leg and Ernie now is you know he's caught up on the situation <laughs> he's convinced yeah <laughs> so now he he does agree you know uh my god Dan O'Badden is full of shit because he says that he didn't realize that he named two of his main characters Bert and Ernie that is a crock <laughs> of shit you abs- you, you absolutely knew I mean, all right, John Russo wrote the script, so maybe he didn't come up with it, but he certainly but knew. But they changed a lot of things from the original script, so you're going to yeah. fucking tell me they didn't catch up with Bert and Ernie, Ooh. and they're like, yeah, I don't keep it. I don't know why. I don't know why he goes out of his way to say he didn't know, but anyway, okay, so now you have Bert and Ernie, who have been friends for 25 years. Bert does convince Ernie to cremate the remains, which they do. And this, this, now you've got billowing smoke coming out of the crematorium right into what then happens to be torrential rain. And it gets mixed in with the rain, and let's just call it acid rain for better or worse. Because Linnea com- keeps complaining, well, that her skin's tra- burning. Trash. Yeah. Keeps and complaining that it's burning, you know. So now there's a great shot, there's a great cross-section shot as we see the rain falling on the grass, and then we follow it down, go the tr- trickling down in, in little tributaries into the dirt, into the casket, and then reanimating the corpses. Then we get another uh, cross-section shot later on of the corpses then digging their way, uh, you know, up through the dirt and and making their way out. So 
Um, at this point, we've got Frank and Freddy not looking good at all. Again, they progressively getting whiter and sicker, and they're saying like, "We we don't we do not feel well." So now Ernie calls the um, he doesn't call the cops because I watched the phone. It's not a nine one one. He dials a bunch of numbers, so I just assuming that he he's a, a mortician. He knows the number to the hospital, so he calls oh, okay. for paramedics. Again, I don't know why. Oh the yeah, fuck because I'm paramedics literally. Come, yeah. Come, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I'm I thought cops were supposed to follow paramedics. Uh, I would think so. I mean, they did all end up on the menu eventually, but yeah, I would that, think the same thing. But did it happen in 1985? I don't know. I don't know. Everybody does come. I mean, cops eventually do come. Uh, they go very quickly. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Very quickly. Because these zombies are also kind of smart. So now we go into probably what is the most, besides Linnea Quigley's um, uh, uh, tombstone dance, we'll call it. Now we have the mo- this <laughs> battling for first or second most iconic scene in the movie. This is where Tina goes looking for Freddy, and she heads downstairs into the warehouse, and there's Tarman. Tarman is waiting for her, and the reveal of Tarman is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He comes out of the shadows, and the practical on Tarman. Oh, Mamacita. Great, great costume. It's so damn great. Uh, You may have this fun fact, so I don't want to steal your thunder, but I do know that the first first, uh, VFX artist got fired because they were not good. Okay. And um, Alan Troutman, who plays Tarman, came in, but it was Kenny Myers and his team that did the practical work. So they... They had the sketches for the Tar Man, yeah. and they worked off that. But they were the ones who who um, did the eyeballs. Initially, the eyeballs were just painted ping pong balls, but they added they added a layer of gel to it, and they added more to the eyeballs to make them so like to pop out and to just be so iconic, you know, because yeah. it's really what sells the skeleton I, face. I, 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 yes, I, I definitely see that. And it's very, it's very creepy. Like Eve, it probably would have been just as creepy if it didn't have any eyes at all. Right. But, but the eyes sell it. They, but it, it's so different. And like you said, it's very iconic. The eyes and the teeth. So Alan Troutman, shout out to Alan Troutman. He played the tar man and the look is fantastic. The movements He's, are incredible. He sells that very much. He so. sells the janky, cadaver-like movements yeah. and lunging movements. So everything Alan Troutman does, Chef's Kiss. In the um, in the the costume itself too, I believe that I might be saying this wrong, so forgive me. Um, but I uh, the the, uh, the joints pieces were like a little disconnected yes so when uh alan would do like you know he just kind of said like he he just not really pretending like he was drunk but just kind of but look but look like it yeah sure he walked pretty much unbalanced um as much as he could while still moving forward and not falling over because he was he was trying to be very careful not to do that and he did think it would look silly um if he like purposely did that but either but like the i think the disconnected joints in the initial costume helped him because it it was moving forward fast or no it's it's a very creepy character absolutely sells it so now we we establish that um that the zombies can talk because now tarman saying brains and we also establish that they can think because tarman problem solves because tina runs into uh basically like a double door cabinet metal cabinet and is hiding and tarman grabs a chain and is using a winch 
to bust it open. So now you're like, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you can't like, really oh, By this... the way, that was, uh, Beverly, that was the scene itself. That was the first time her seeing Tarman. Ooh. Like, okay, so like, you're going to go into the scene, you know, they, they let her know and like, and a creature is going to come out, you know, like, well, whatever they tell her and you know, like you're going to get chased. Um, and she did not know exactly what that creature was going to look like so she was genuinely terrified so now we'll go from the spectrum of dan o'bannon making a smart decision to get a great reaction out of beverly and we'll go to the other end of the spectrum of dan and ba- dan o'bannon uh and crew honestly being a piece of shit sorry crew i gotta call you out on this one because they didn't tell uh beverly that the third step was fake and mm-hmm. she ran up there and fell through it. And you seeing her fall through those steps, she didn't know it. And it, that's actually real. That is a real and She fall. could have gotten very crazy real. hurt. Yes. And again, this is 1985. And this shit would not be allowed or should not be allowed on any movie set. And really, it is not allowed on any movie set. You know, we've evolved as filmmaking industry. It's a lot of problems that are still inherent, I'm sure. But safety nobody would put up with that bullshit no you know no so so thank god she didn't get kudos to her for not leaving the fucking project yeah but jesus thank god she didn't get hurt hurt and hurt hurt yeah that's it so shout out shout out to you beverly um you know kudos to you for for brushing it off and and continuing on you're you're a professional but that shouldn't happen to you sorry about that mm. so um now suicide comes down and pulls the uh tort back and there's tour man and he takes a big old chomp out of suicide's head and um at this point uh, chaos ensues everybody panics but i want i want to give a shout out to spider mm-hmm. and i want to also say was this a, a little homage to um to not the living dead because everybody runs up the stairs and takes off and spider being the only black character he's the only one using his head yeah just like Dwayne uh jones in night of the living dead who stops closes the door and says guys let's bar the door like, hello like <laughs> let's problem solve here so i like that a little, little shout out there um so now the paramedics show up they can't find a pulse for frank and freddie um so now we know those guys are dead but of course the paramedics are like well you're walking and talking so we don't know what the explanation is but you're obviously alive but dead. Our, our gang having but dead. <laughs> our gang having uh, barred the door now runs to the cemetery. Cemetery, super bad idea, but they don't know it. Sweet song. Do you want a party? Kicks. God dang it. We'll fix it in post because I'm a lazy ass. I did not Google who sings. Do you want a party? The, I was gonna say like the soundtrack is actually great. What's who sings on the soundtrack? I don't know. because yeah, we, we suck at our <laughs> but, job. But How about a, that? It's a great, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, just go find it. Oh, okay. So yeah, do you want a party? Kicks in. All the zombies start coming out. Now, trash. Linnea Quigley gets killed in what and had foreshadowed her death because she, she when she did. was talking to Spider, she's like, "My worst way to go would be to surrounded by old men grabbing and biting me." Very and, distinct. Yeah, very specific. <laughs> and of course, that's what happened because you know that's what happens that's what happens yeah <laughs> so now she she's dead um uh the gang runs to the funeral home the paramedics are killed as well and now we we really know whoa the zombies are very very fast okay this is the part where 
where the movie for me kicks into overdrive because I like nothing more than a siege movie. And I also like a movie where it's a siege movie, but you have people in different locations because you're thinking, well, how are they going to survive on their own? And will they get back together and band together? And I also like a picked off one by one movie. Uh, this is just, it's just hitting all of my 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 tickle spots <laughs> this movie does it it's once it starts honestly this movie doesn't stop there's no, no downtime well dan o'bannon did say that he wanted to get it to a point where it was like a 30 screwball comedy where there were multiple stories going on at once and there was also overlapping dialogue and chaos so it was just this whole mishmash of calamity which i would have to say he pulls off pretty it, brilliantly it, it, no it was it was pulled off great so now we've got Ernie verifies that Freddy has rigor mortis. They pull him off the floor. The blood has pulled on his back where he was laying. His joints are stiff. Tom, uh, shout out to Tom Matthews in this scene. He really sells the pain. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, damn, Tom. He does look like he's in a lot of pain. Really sells it. You got um, um, James Karen is is uh, in the background, and, and he is like, he's doing this weird thing with his hands where he looks like he's getting rigor mortis with his hands. He's not screaming, but he looks like he's in horrible pain. Now... You know, we've got that siege movie where the zombies can smell the brains and want to get into the funeral home. And Scuzz gets killed. They pull him through the door. They take a bite out of his brain. Scuzz coming back through the door. They pull the zombie who killed him, which is a woman. And it's only half of her. They tie her to one of the um, one of the uh, mortician tables and they're questioning her. And I love the practical effects in this scene and all I kept thinking of was this reminds me so much of Life Force which was also written by Dana O'Bannon and came out the same year again because I suck at my job I did not look up if it's the same VFX people but it really did look there were there were similarities between the zombies in Return of the Living Dead and the zombie the vampires the dislocated vampires in Life Force um, and I just loved it I just absolutely loved it so now we get a little bit of exposition because our zombie tells us this we're eating brains to make the pain go away. Yeah, like it. We can feel ourselves decaying. Yeah, which like think it, about it, hurt, it. it hurts. Like that's what she said. It hurts. It yeah. hurts to be dead, and that it, which which really makes sense too because when you all of us you know have, have loved ones that we buried and and once once we get through it. And we go, you know, we, they're, they're rest, they're, they're, now they're laid in peace, you know, like they can rest now. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, like we, we have to come up with comforting thoughts, um, for those that have passed on. Right. So now when they come back to life and there's, it tormented. seems, it does seem a very torch. And, and, and now this is any, any zombie related thing. Like even like the walking dead as recent as that show is like, they don't look like they, like they look like tormented souls, you know, like yeah. or just I don't know. It, you can feel you can feel some sympathy for them. Yeah, you know, you, you those it, alive in many pieces of works, um, you know, say like, don't let me turn into one of those things. Yeah. like that's because it's probably. Yeah, it's, it's probably a torment. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. So you know, so this one, they actually voice that opinion. So again, it's kind of one and done. I voice that, not opinion. They voice that fact. <laughs> we, we, ha- we have this scene which establishes like canon for the return of the living dead universe, which you and I both stated we have not seen duplicated 
in any other movie that we've seen or show, and we've seen a lot. Not that I could think of. So again, sinners, you know, we no, love nothing better than when you correct us when we've made a glaring error. So if it has been done, past or present, yeah, future, you know, let us know. Prove us wrong. So now, um, now the, the movie's on roller skates. Because we're just, boy, oh boy. For the rest of the time. Oh, boy. It doesn't stop. So now, all right, just, I'll get us to the end real quick. So now we got Linnea Quigley is back from the dead, and she is, like, stark white, and her hair is even redder, and she's got the, like, zombified face, and the cops show up, and they're eating. And this is my one my one nitpick, which I all, but still love. The zombie that radios send more cops, he was buried in his doorman outfit because he's wearing a doorman outfit. I don't think I noticed that. He was so good at his job that his final request was, please bury me in my doorman outfit. Okay. It's a, and send more paramedics. It's a choice. It's, and a, it's yeah. a choice. So now, Freddy, Freddy full turns now and is is full zombie because uh, he's locked in the chapel with uh with Frank and with Tina chose to stay what a sweetheart but he he turns and he's chasing her around and um then um you know Bert and Spider uh break back into the chapel it's very quickly yeah they knock out uh knock down uh Freddy and they get Tina out of there um Ernie breaks his foot. So now, like, there's stakes because now Ernie is not mobile. So they have to make a decision like, all right, someone's got to make a run for it. And Bert's like, I can make it to the car. So Bert and Spider, they make a beeline for the car. Uh, Ernie and Tina, at this point, you know, they understand, like, well, Tina really doesn't, but but Ernie understands that Bert, Bert and I are friends. The car, when they came back for them, was just absolutely swamped with zombies, and they had to drive off. You know, spoiler alert, they drive into an even, like, a horde of zombies. They make a beeline back to the warehouse. So now, again, you know, we get we have a siege movie where, where our characters are desperately trying to escape. None of their, their passage is safe, and they keep getting forced back into our two locations. Yeah. Everything is chaos, so even when they try to get out of it, it they're just met with more chaos now here's something that i noticed on this watch because ernie being a nazi or neo-nazi you have to circle back to that. this is interesting <laughs> because him being a nazi he chooses to hide in the attic yeah a la and mm. frank Oh, I never put that together. How interesting. The threat is trying to get in, Mm -hmm. and he is choosing then to shoot Tina and then himself. Yeah. Which he doesn't do. He do they they, you can tell he he has the gun to Tina's head. He thought about it. There's a lot going on there where Yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on there. So dine out on that for a bit, Mm -hmm. Thinners, but just take a little look on that. Give me your thoughts. It's an interest yeah, it is interesting. More cops show up, they get eaten, um, you know, everyone all the stakes are dialed up and every single person that's come to help we've now witnessed and our and our our protagonists have now witnessed beaten uh, Bert has the idea to call the number on the canister um, uh, Tarman's canister so he calls it it gets patched through to Colonel Glover he gives their location he gives the rough estimate of how many acres the cemetery contains Colonel Glover then gives the coordinates to you know the nuclear cannon you know 
they fire off a shell. It blows up uh, the the location. And just you got, and you got a little bird. Oh, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, mm-hmm. So we get this. We get this like like freeze be right over. We get this freeze frame of Freddy knocking through the the um, attic door. Uh, and it's gonna just about to get um, uh, Ernie and Tina, and we've got you know Bert and Spider and Chuck and Casey. You know they're all like the army's coming. We're gonna be saved! Hooray! So of course you know none of that happens. They all get blown to smithereens, and then you hear the colonel saying, you know, oh yeah, you know what? We only had four thousand dead. We took out like twenty square blocks. Four thousand dead. You know, it, it, on the scale of what could happen, it's really self-contained and not that bad at all and the fires that are raging are going to be put out by the rain and we all and then we get the scene of you know the, the smoke going up into the rain uh, the rain coming down repeat yeah and now we have now we have the world the world of the living dead the world's wide breakout yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so the credits roll and the credits are are just i love the credits because they basically recap <laughs> everything like the first third two-thirds of the movie they just show these random scenes and they end on the line of you mean the movies lied to us and then frank saying not a bad question bert <laughs> and then that's the end and i wonder I'm, if it's like their favorite scenes maybe it I, could I don't be. know i don't know why they chose these specific scenes not that they're bad but um I mean, yeah, but I was wondering the same thing as I was rewatching. I was like, oh, I wonder what what made them choose these scenes again. I don't know. So that's our movie right there. That's a summary, and I know you've watched it a million times. I hope you watched it, watch it again mm-hmm. after hearing uh, the podcast or recently watched it. I do have two random fun. Oh, facts. have at it. So the two random ones that I, that I just because I thought that one of them was actually just really cool. Like if you know me, I like I like I like a little bit of history, and I like to um, find a little realism in any movie that we do. So if I can find it. I just want to mention it. But before that, I actually found out something that I heard for the first time while researching this movie, and I thought it was the most hilarious thing I've ever heard. So she, he, you mentioned after Lene quickly character trash gets eaten uh, and turns uh, with no bite marks, by the way. Oh yeah, but whatever. She so she gets her she gets her new transitioned costume into uh, being one of the uh, the zombies. And she's just, yeah, she's just stark white. Yeah. Like, like just, yeah. Red, red. Well, and her hair was probably the, sta- the same. But now but that she's white, now it's she's popping. white yeah, and she has point. like this like mouth prosthetic on that's, which unfortunately you only see for like a few seconds. So that's the only, that that is the only, my, my only complaint I would say about this movie that I would have liked to have seen her more. But I do, I think I have heard, um, not really confirmed, but I think I've heard that it did look kind of ridiculous. Like it kept falling off. Well, it was probably janky as fuck. So, so yeah, they were so hiding like, it. So yeah. you really get like a quick scene of her like like biting people. Like I think it's like two scenes, and then the scene of her looking up as the um uh the, the cannon or nuke. I don't think it was a nuke, but you know whatever. Yeah, I guess it was a cannon. It was a bit. It was big enough. Um that uh you know that's really the only time you see her. But anyway, so she's uh you know now she's like in this white like paint. <laughs> And keep in mind, she's naked, and they filmed it in Los Angeles, and Los Angeles gets very cold at night. So she was freezing the whole time. She ended up getting, like, strep throat because she was in the water, getting, Uh, you know, like, naked, you know, the whole fucking time. So she really did. So she ended up getting, like, really bad strep throat towards the end of it all. 
Um, and so to help stay warm, I don't know whose car it was, but apparently somebody on the set had a Jaguar. Okay. Now, I, I'm not, I don't know cars very much, but I do know a Jaguar is a nice car. Nice car. It's a nice car. So this, whoever's Jaguar this was, because uh, it was either like Dan O'Bannon's, one of these, yeah, it, was somebody. Some, it was somebody up there. And he, he let her sit in his car to keep warm. Painted? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. So he has a, for the rest of the days that he had this car, he might even still have it, whoever you are, whichever one, because I forget. Yeah, but then <laughs> the white booty prints. <laughs> I mean, I would keep it. I would absolutely keep it. <laughs> you know? I that was, so I found that on a panel. I, I'll admit, I don't remember. I don't know what uh, convention it was, but the, the Return of Living Dead cast got together um, on a panel that I happened to catch, and Miguel uh, Nunez <laughs> told that story. Oh, and cool. it is, you have to, he, he is a character and a half. I would love to speak to you, Miguel uh, Nunez. Who's got time to talk to him? Look at his IMDb. This guy works nonstop forever. I know, I know. But if, if we can, I would love to talk to him because he just seems, he just seems so, oh, he, yeah. he, he's hilarious. So he tells a story really great a lot better than i just did but little fun fact i thought you would like that um so the second fun fact uh that actually again is a little based in reality in a in a sense so the another th fun thing that a lot of people remember this movie for is the look of the zombies or at least the featured ones anyway yeah maybe not necessarily tarman tarman i maybe could have been a little more um uh what's what i'm looking for like personalized maybe but everybody else for the most part especially the prosthetic woman if you really look at their uh i i feel like they do look different for the most part um so they were actually based off of the the zombies uh um i'm sorry not the zombies the mummies of uh guanajuato uh, so the, what happened here in uh guanajuato mexico in 1833 um so these were bodies there was a cholera outbreak so a lot of people you know died of and trigger warning all ages oh all okay so um they uh so you know so all the bodies were in this uh i always forget what you call those so they're not buried in the ground but they're up on um not a mausoleum, but like it's it's literally a big wall where they're 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 squared out uh, cubbies in a way, and the bodies go in the cubby. Oh, so it was a mausoleum. Okay, so if it's a mausoleum, we'll go with that. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. So, <laughs> so all these bodies were in there. Now, for whatever reason, um, the local government, or like soon after, I want to say, because I want to say this is like the 1830s, 1840s, or 50s, 60s, around there. They uh, or late 1800s. It, 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 um, in that sense i forget the year to be exact but the local government decided to tax these spaces for like real estate That's so if the, oh, if, if the families if the families couldn't pay the tax these bodies were exhumed and removed that's complete and, bullshit yeah there was a warehouse an empty warehouse nearby the cemetery and the it, uh, they were just thrown in there um, and left there for That's messed up. Yeah. So in it officially opened on one. I think the year was like 1968 or 69. Forgive me if I get that a little off. But in the 1960s, so they officially opened the museum 
of the mummies of Guanajuato. So you can see these exhumed bodies. Okay. In Mexico. Um, it, and they it, look it, like... I, I want to say it's like 120. You can Google the well, images. I check that out. Yeah, if you want to Google the images, again, mummies of Guanajuato. Um, and uh, if you look, if you take a look at what they look like, and these were also naturally mummified because of the mausoleums that they were in. It was airtight. And so they just think it was uh, when they exhumed them, they like, they like, wow, they look like mummies. And they're still very, very preserved. Oh, that's, I mean, it's tragic, the story, but that's so cool. I'm going to check that out. I don't think any of them had perfect teeth. <laughs> I'm telling you. These, it's these, worth mentioning. These skeleton right? farms from India. We are uh, no, but, it, but honestly, when I when I found that out, um, that that that's where the design was that that the designs came from. Very cool. Very cool. Ooh, I love that stuff. And uh, and so I looked that up because I never heard of it before. So I would love to visit that museum. Um, I would love to hear if you got uh, sinners. If you've ever been to that museum, is it worth checking out? Because it really looks cool. Yeah, let us know. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's my fun facts. I get two things I want to talk about real quick. So first being, why does this movie resonate and why did it why did it become the moment in time in 85 that it did? And then I want to talk a little bit about Screen Queens. But let's start with I did a little research on the horror movies of 85 because I'm like, why? Why? I mean, this this movie really it it has this impact, it's iconic, and and it's got its its very specific moment. In 85, in the mid-80s. So that year, you had Reanimator came out, uh, Argento's Phenomena, you had Day to Dead, ironically. Right. Um, you had Fright Night. You've got Demons, Ghoulies, Friday the 13th, Part 5, Silver Bullet, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Freddy's Revenge, Cat's Eye, House, uh, the not the um, uh, the uh, William Cat House. Um a movie that I want to turn you on to. Uh, my dog's doing his little itch, itches back dance. Yeah, Charlie. Go, Charlie. <laughs> so movie? Ch- Charlie takes a nap usually when we do these podcasts, so maybe we're talking too long. <laughs> yeah. He's like, sweet Jesus, wrap it up. Oh, oh now he's playing dead. <laughs> so, yeah, you're rude. There's a movie, Sam Waterson movie, called Warning Sign. That came out in 85. It's a sleeper. It's actually pretty damn good. It's viral outbreak in a lab movie. And it's a lot of fun. Jeffrey DeMunn's in it as well. Damn it. I can't. I thought I can't remember who Sam Morrison's love interest is. And it's Kathleen Quinlan. I remembered. It's good. (laughs) We like to remember in musicals. Yeah. (laughs) Life Force, as I mentioned. uh, Toby Hooper. And then you had uh, Ridley Scott's Legend. I'm going to include that in horror because that Tim Curry Satan makeup is so friggin' good. His head to toe, Satan, with the whole, I mean, there's no better Satan makeup than Tim Curry's legend Satan makeup. I'll fight you all. (laughs) The stuff came out. Changed my mind. Sting's movie, The Bride, came out. Uh, The only reason I'm I'm gonna single this one out, uh, Sting is not good in it, but Clancy Brown plays Frankenstein in that, and he is real good in it. So check it out. Jennifer Beals plays The Bride of Frankenstein. I have nothing bad to say about Jennifer Beals. I just love her. Um, But Clancy Brown, oh, I'll kiss your face. Clancy Brown, you're so good in that. (laughs) Teen Wolf came out. Oh my God, the same year. Yep. I 
love Teen Wolf. Crime Wave. Look, a lot of movies came out. I'm just, I'm just gonna this wrap is it up. A big year. A I'm big gonna, year. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna wrap it up with one that I know you're gonna be like, dope, because we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. So Crime Wave came out. I'm, I'm mentioning it because we've got Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi, and uh, uh, oh my god. Um, <laughs> Here comes the musical. <laughs> I'm Bruce Campbell. Jeez. Oh my god. I gotta go to the doctor. Uh, oh, my memory's going. But I'm gonna end with you know what came out this year. Return to Oz. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're going to have a carve-out episode of movies we think are horror that aren't supposed to be horror, but are definitely horror. A lot of people consider that one a horror. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's, Or or actually... Okay, you know what? I'm actually going to correct myself, or at least in my personal opinion. Not necessarily horror, but nightmare fuel. Yes, thank you. Nightmare fuel, especially if you were young at the time and watched, you're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, so we're we're gonna have a carve out episode of five, we're gonna pick five films. That was for Rouge Bulk's first film, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Oh, the craft. Gonna watch craft this week. Mm. Love it. Oh, I love it. Okay, so look, I'm, I'm looking at these horror movies, and they are there are some fantastic movies here. Eighty five was a good year, but I'm looking at it, and I'm like. All right, I, I don't see where this pops in in like in society. You know, now it's so easy to say. You know, in a social media bubble, we didn't have that back then. But like, just it it didn't. Why did it resonate? Then I took a broader look at the movies that came out in '85, okay. and then it started to become super clear. All right, so I'm just going to go through this quick. So '85, we see Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The lovable oddball. We had Back to the Future, Slacker, Wise Ass. We had the Goonies, Nerds, Outcasts. We had the Breakfast Club, all stereotypes. We had Weird Science, Nerds, Real Genius, Nerds, Wise Ass. After Hours, Typical Working Stiff, Nothing Remarkable About uh, Griffin Dunn. Fright Night, Average Teen, Nerd. He watches uh, He watches Roddy McDowell, uh, just like I did on the, the uh, horror movie uh, channel. I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say. It's like mumble fucking you know, way through this. You know that channel. You know what it is. Yeah. Desperately Seeking Susan. Downtown Girl. Kind of oh, alt. Yeah, you know? I forgot about uh, Lady Hawk. Weakling. Matthew Broderick is the hero that's of that a, movie. I feel like that's a slept on film. We could do that. I love Lady Hawk. We could do that. That's horror-ish enough. And uh, it, it's, it's tragedy. It's tragic. Fletch. Smart. Wise ass. Day of the Dead. Female black. Mm-hmm. Call back to Night of. Um... So it, it look. This is my opinion. You know, I, I I stand by this. I'd love to hear if you agree or disagree, or if you have your own opinion. But I think that that Return of the Living Dead resonated in '85 because everywhere you turned, you had a representation that wasn't the action guy, cowboy, square jawed, Gary Cooper, gonna save the town, one against many, it's just me, but I'm so fucking, you know, I'm such an alpha that I'm gonna save the day. I mean, you did have Commando come out in 85, so I'm not saying there weren't movies like that, but there was a, this was a moment in time, especially with Pee Wee's Big Adventure, where you had, and the Goonies, you know, and Breakfast Club. I mean, you know, you had these characters that weren't finding representation on screen that now, everywhere you turned, you were seeing 
a, a, a character that had not been represented fully before that were usually the sidekick yeah or the expendable and now they're the main focus yeah yeah or, or, or everyone for the most part got there like quick 15 minutes like everyone had like a a, a shining moment at some point or in some cases in the film. These... whether it was a death or a save or uh or a fun funny line yeah you know yeah in some cases in these in, in movies previously these characters have been the villain, you know, the nerd, the smart person, you know, the outcast, the, the weird kid, you know, the, look, the, the 70s are riddled with movies where this is your villain, you know, so all of a sudden these were, were becoming heroes and they were embraced by society and I think it had a real impact. I know for me that I because I wasn't a jock you know I was the I was a nerdy kid I played Dungeons and Dragons you know I watched horror movies I was a movie nerd yeah you know I was probably and probably still am a bit of a wise ass um <laughs> you know like so when I when I saw myself represented up there I mean I was a I wasn't a punk by any stretch of the imagination but I certainly was all I certainly listened to WDRE on Long Island Larry the duck I'll kiss your face. <laughs> You know, W-L-I-R, you know, I fucking shook it down in Malibu, dance club, dance club down in Long Beach. You know, like I saw, I saw bits of myself represented on screen. And I think, I think a lot of society did see that. A lot of the kids who were going to movies did see that. And I yeah. think that's what pushed this movie they forward. they just wanted to challenge it, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it, it just seems uh organically happen in this film so it makes you wonder were they were they troping on that a bit or did it just organically happen and because they do talk or at least miguel uh nunez uh does uh mention in a panel that uh he, he did give them creative freedom which i love in a way like so they you know they kind of walked in and they were just like oh well okay we're supposed to be this kind of a gang like they're going by the script and okay we'll have my character wears this and acts this way and why wouldn't you when you got a bunch bunch of guys in your 30s and 40s why don't tap into the kids in their 20s and he was just kind of like yeah have at it so they did have a bit of of creative freedom on their characters this also has the tremendous benefit of being a well-made and good movie with a good script good direction good acting good set design and production so you know all of it just worked when you can fall back on that yeah all the pieces definitely fell into place um it does it is kind of known to be a comedy um but i think that's so the longevity of this film really lies though on the fact that it is a comedy but everyone went into it thinking that they were making like a sequel to night of the living dead so they did take it seriously What, what ended up happening uh magically was that it's I don't know it was based on reality you know so it, it it just it just worked i don't know i agree with you sorry guys i was just <laughs> i was just having a conversation with my dog and he won i know we had an argument yes, and he, he absolutely won yes he did <laughs> okay the last thing i want to do and this is kind of like i'm i'm taking a stand i don't know who's going to support me i know you'll support me <laughs> But I don't. I don't know what stand I'm making. That's a great start. Other than I need to. I need this to be heard. All right. So, because I love Linnea Quigley so much, and Jewel Shepherd, uh, and, and sorry, Beverly. I always forget your damn name, but I do love you. Oh, Beverly uh, Randolph. Bever- I'm sorry, Tina. Beverly Randolph. Yes. So, you know, I, I started looking up Scream Queens. 
Take two. <laughs> I started looking up Scream Queens, and I was incredibly upset. For the reason being that I could not find the women who resonated as Scream Queens for me during the 80s. I couldn't find them. Oh. First post, you know, first Google search, second Google search, third, pages, pages. I mean, I finally did find them, but they were so far down and so far into my search that it really upset me. Now, first, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call out what you know what's being represented and accurately represented as, as scream queens online and and these are factual and they're correct i don't have a problem with this whatsoever so you got your new queens which are the jenna ortegas and the mia goss and the melissa uh, barrera and the uh, samara weavings uh, the wooni uh, Mascaru. uh there's no r let me take two <laughs> wound me Mosaku and the Jasmine Savoy Browns are are the new Scream Queens and I support that 100% and I love them and I love the content and please make more you're doing such great work and then you have what uh you know what you're considering you're kind of um your your I don't want to call them past because they're still making great content, but your tried and true scream queens, which are, you know, your Jamie Lee Curtis's and your Daniel Harris and Sarah Michelle Geller and Heather Langenkamp, uh, Nev Campbell, Dee Wallace, Lynn Shay, uh, Janet Lee, uh, Linda Blair, um, Courtney Cox, Pam Greer, Octavia Spencer, you know, these, the content, fantastic. Mm, chef's kiss, your scream, scream queens, one and all. But what, really troubled me and upset me was I couldn't find the ones from that when I think about them immediately come to mind Mm -hmm. maybe not the originators because you got your Pam Greer you know from Blackula and you have your Jamie Lee Curtis from 78's Halloween Elsa Lancaster I'm air high right now (laughs) but like you're Linnea Quigley and you're and I and, and please forgive me I always pronounce it Felissa Rose but Am I? Is it Felicia Rose? Because I always say Felicia Rose, and I'm talking about Sleepaway Camp. I thought it was. Oh crap! Now I'm second guessing. Right. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was uh, Felissa. Miss Rose, if you listen, let me know. Let me know what an idiot I am. But tried and true. When I think of Scream Queen. Bam, you popped to mind. Barbara, oh, yeah. Barbara Crampton, for God's sakes. Ashley Lawrence, Tiffany Shepis. Like, like they just, is it me? But when I think Scream Queen, bam, 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 bam. It's like my Rolodex of, oh yeah, here they are. And it's, you know, it's that 80s era, 80s, early 90s era. And I think what, what I think my, I was going to say problem, but if it's a problem, I'll have it all day long. I think the reason being is because those were the actors whose movies I was seeing on Joe Bob Briggs and I was seeing on USA Up All Night and, you know, I was seeing all over cable. You know, this is I just this was the heyday of HBO and they were just throwing content on all day long and Cinemax and you could just tap in you could turn on the TV and you could see the gate you know and you could see not that that has any of these scream queens that I mentioned but like you could see this B movie and I say that proudly this B movie content and these actors were represented there and it broke my heart that I had to search so goddamn long and so deep before these names popped up and I just want I just want you to know I see you and I love you we love you and in a respectful way and I mean this 
with nothing but respect, I'll kiss your face because I absolutely adore you. And you've done such great work that made me so happy. So anyway, that's just my beef and that's my soapbox. I'll step down now. No, it's very, very valid though. It's, that's a really great point. For a brief moment, I was tall. <laughs> All right, Shannon, we're going to we're going to wrap it up with a stupid death. Are you oh, ready? Okay. Do you want to oh. do the plugs first or a, a game? No, first? death first. Okay. Death first okay. and then plugs, because that's so, the last so, thing I want you people to hear. So, again, we're going to play. Okay. So this is called Stupid Deaths. And we did one last uh, last episode and we're going to be doing one every episode going forward. So this person um, is named Carol. Susek. Okay. And he was a Canadian stuntman who invented a specially cushioned barrel to survive long falls. He died in front of 35,000 people while showcasing it when the barrel missed the water tank he intended to land in and instead crashed to the ground. Ooh. Is this true or is it false? Either way, that is a terrible way to go. Urgh. It sounds a little ridiculous. Oh, I'm going to go with false. And that is true. Oh, <laughs> oh damn. Carol. Carol of the measure twice cut once <laughs> mistake. I've been there, buddy, but I just never was in a barrel in yeah. front of 35,000 <laughs> people. A trick you can only do once. Oh, boy. All <laughs> right. All right, P. Carol. Awful way to go. That is an awful way to go. So, so oh, just before we wrap it up, we do, we do have some plugs. The most important. Most important plugs. So I definitely want to give it up to uh, to my husband, who is a videographer, photography. He is... <laughs> Matt, I'll kiss your face. All <laughs> <laughs> the kisses. He is so handsome and so adorable that no one would blame me. And he does make, <laughs> and you know he does wonderful. Um, he just understands lighting and angles, and he's just great at what he does. So if you ever want to do um, a little photography event um, or, or whatever you want to call it, I don't know, photo shoot, that's, photo shoot. That's what they call those things. <laughs> I like photography event. It sounded exciting. <laughs> so you can follow uh, him. Um, he also partners up with uh, with his friend Eric. Um, Duality dot productions that's on instagram so at duality dot productions duality d-u-a-l-i-t-y dot productions and the reason we bring it up is because you will be able to see that content for your very lonesome when we start posting pictures to our instagram because they will be doing all of them we'll do it because i don't use this word lightly but matt is a fucking genius Mm -hmm. his partner's name is Eric Cuevas. Eric, I have not met you yet, but I, after I kiss your face, <laughs> I will then also be calling you a genius. After I shake your hand, I will kiss your face. You got to see the work that these two do. It's incredible. It it's absolutely great. incredible. And you will see it represented on our website, which we're getting, which we're, which we're rounding third on, the, on we it. Will. We will. It'll, when? I don't know, but we'll get there. Um, and then I uh, just wanted to shout out to my friend Anthony. His nickname is Large. He does accept it. Yes, he he's, he. Uh, if you're a collector of nostalgic uh, toys of 80s, 90s, it doesn't really. He doesn't really put a um, pin on that. But uh, but if you follow Tats Tunes and Toys, he does have a YouTube channel talking about uh, these collective things. Some of these things I actually had, and some of them are very exciting to watch. And Shannon, why don't you tell our sinners what Large's connection is to 
the podcast. So he, uh, so he's also a tattoo artist and a very good, uh, a very good artist. And he actually did our logo. Thanks, Large. Which merch eventually will be um, available for sale on our website. And he's already done. uh, We've already gotten stickers. Yeah, we have stickers. That's it. (laughs) All right. I mean, look, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, but we're looking at, you know, I I foresee stickers and T-shirts and hoodies. And you know what's coming back? I don't know if it is. I'm lying to your face right now. But we're fucking bringing lunchboxes back. And we're going to have a goddamn sinful cuts lunchbox. I would love a lunchbox. Will it come with a thermos? You bet your sweet ass it will. <laughs> yep. Yes, it will. Yep. I mean, even if, even if I have to pay to have one made so I'm not a dirty liar, we're going to do it. <laughs> We're absolutely going to do it. <laughs> We're going to fight over it weekly. So those those are fan, those that's our Simple Cuts family right there, and please support them as you support us. Do we have I miss, left anybody out? Not yet. If we uh, no, well I'm sure we'll mention more uh, each episode. But, but our army is growing. Our army is growing. <laughs> and now let's the most important. Let, we're just going to go over our social media. So please follow us on Instagram at Sinful Cuts, which is C I N. N E dash F U L cuts cuts yeah, yeah, yeah separate word cuts am I, am I wait am I saying I'm looking it up because I forgot now we're new at everything <laughs> so sin so it's sin c i n dot full underscore cuts I I'm, I gave the wrong goddamn Instagram no, it wouldn't let me do it like as is for some reason Fucking oh that's Instagram. right uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever but we're up there. So we are. Please follow us. Gosh darn it. Please follow us. We're posting content daily. And you could also email us the same spelling, sinfulcuts at gmail.com. That one was simpler. <laughs> so wait, uh, the the spelling for the Gmail, it's C-I-N-E-F-U-L cuts c-u-t-s at gmail.com i can spell sweet 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 all right so that's it gang hey what are we doing next week oh my god right oh my gosh right what are we doing Uh, oh let me get my list right now it's the invisible man because we don't know what we're doing (laughs) okay so oh we i think we said we're gonna do piranha 1978 yeah, I love it. Okay. I love it. And that's Shannon's. No, that was supposed to be yours. Oh, I get it. No, then you have to do one. Then, oh, okay. Then, All then right. You've so got... then, okay, no. Okay, so I wrote it out of order. My apologies. Um. So then then it's going to be uh, Halloween H2O. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Halloween H2O. Shoot that just shit. Passed, just passed a 25-year anniversary, which makes sense because the newest remake... It was a 40-year anniversary of the original, so now we're kind of at that point of history. Now, can I, can we do a little... can't believe that. Before we wrap it up, can we do a little teaser? Um, H, uh, Halloween H2O. Where's the fall? Love it? Hate it? Like it? Okay. I loved it. See, for me, it's okay. It's going to be uh, Battle of the Titans. Loved it. <laughs> but it, it could be how when how I saw it at the time and also who I saw it like with. Like It was like, like a friend of mine at the time. I'll, I'll go more into it, but it was somebody who like didn't really know much about Halloween. Okay. So I was talking about it. Okay. After we saw the film, and she was it. She was intrigued. Okay. Um, she didn't get the nostalgia as much as I did, well, and yeah. Are we keeping it standalone H two O, or are we gonna dabble in the franchise? Ah, we'll we'll, we'll we'll um, I'm gonna keep it a standalone as much as possible. 
Because there's a honestly by itself, there's a lot to talk about of that film alone. Yeah, I can spend twenty minutes I'm on Josh sure. Hartnett's fucked up haircut. There's a well, hmm, I, I can't say there's a reason for that, but I do have a fun fact about that. He came out of an insane asylum, and they they cut that in post because <laughs> that's the only reason that I'll accept. <laughs> so, there, but there is like a whole thing with the hair. He had. I'll get more into it. He had the hiccups and supercuts. <laughs> All right, Josh Hardnett, would I kiss your face? Of course I would. I we would. still, well, well, please. Oh, Sorry, Shannon no. just pushed me down. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have to agree with Shannon. Sorry, Matt. I would kiss <laughs> this stupid haircut too. All right, that's it, gang. Look, this was this was a long episode, but Sorry. we hope you enjoyed it because we sure as hell did. We had a lot of. Fun. Oh, I love the hell out of this episode okay talk to you next week bye i just did the smart list bye we're gonna get sued now this is fantastic cutting it in post cut it in post so that's our planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.